Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Homies, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. Uh, I am Dan, and because I am doing the intro, it means Caleb isn't here. Uh, so therefore, you get to suffer along to my voice as, as lead man. Uh, instead, you get a very sultry voice. Uh, as your mm. co-host this evening, I have Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald, uh, welcome. Dan, what's up, brother? My man, thanks for having me, man. I, I, these are big shoes to fill, though. You know how much I love Caleb, and I'm assuming your audience does too. So, I thought I was coming on with both you guys, but you got me. You got me pulling some kind of duty here, man. I don't know. That's true. Uh, I was gonna have Ashley do it, and then I was like, uh, but we'd ha- like. Uh, I was gonna have her come on too, but then I was like, we'd right. be recording at nine, and she was like, oh, that that's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald fucking it up again. Well, yeah, I have to do I have to do rabbit ears with her, and she's probably like dreading my start time. So yeah, a little bit. Uh, how, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm you know I had a few days off work, which as you know never fucking happens. But I went to visit some family this weekend and just took it easy. Watched this movie that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit, mm-hmm. and got to see my daughter. Got to see my some of my extended family that I haven't seen in like a year and a half because of you know the pandemic. So like the my what? cousins and yeah, can you believe, did you know there was a pandemic or you didn't know that? There was a what? I don't yeah, go outside. Is, I you no don't idea. leave your house anyway. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. You're, you're living, you're, you're onto something there. I hadn't seen them in forever, man, since like the Christmas before COVID. So like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so that was cool to see my grandmother and my aunts and uncles and cousins and all that stuff. So it was cool, man. Just been taking it easy. And then I'm back to work tomorrow. Early AF. Yikes. Uh, yeah. So, as I told my dad, and I tell my dad constantly in uh, phone calls that I share with my family, who I also haven't seen in like 18 months, although that's changing next month, uh, I have been preparing for the pandemic basically my entire adult life, because I don't right. go outside as it is. So, right. you know, you had everybody who's like, well, fuck, I can't stay inside all day. I'm like, awesome, I can fucking stay inside all day. Yeah, you're like, welcome to the party, guys. This mm-hmm. is what I've been doing my whole life. They made they made a t-shirt. Did you see that? They made a t-shirt for that. Oh, really? I don't I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something to the effect of, I've been in quarantine my whole life or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't get sick. Yeah. You know, because I'm already socially distanced from everybody who isn't, you know, my girlfriend, who, like, is the only person other than my family who I've lived with for a relatively long period of time, except for, like, some college roommates here and there. Well, Dan, can I ask you something on tape here? And I know you have the uh, editing capabilities. I do have the just, editing I, capability. I, I'm just going to get this out there. What, what's, when, when are you going to put a ring on this thing, man? Uh, when are you going to get down on the knee? We, and we literally just whole... had this discussion today. I'm not even joking. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Uh, we're not doing a reception. It's going to be either a courthouse thing or oh, well. uh, if I can, if we can get to Pittsburgh at some point, uh, get Corey to do it because I, I made a deal with him like, 10 years ago, or maybe even longer than that, that he would be the mm-hmm. guy, uh, basically all he wants is a fake mustache, and then he would do his thing. Okay. So get uh, two pickets to Pittsburgh, and you'll be there. Okay. Two two pickets to, t- to Pittsburgh, yes. 
Sure. Well, that's I'm what, here for you. If that's you, what you, you said. Need to, I want. I want to point that out. That is what you said. Is definitely what I said. Uh, if you need me to be there and, and just stand there creepily in the corner while oh, you, do I, that, I mean, let we, me know. we need witnesses, and no better witnesses right. than the creeper behind the fucking fern in the in yeah. the in the room. I'll do. Uh, I'll do a rapid reaction to it <laughs> in the final pew. I'll do hey, a guys, live reaction. Hey guys, Gerald from the the rectory here to do a live reaction <laughs> yeah. to this wedding yeah. that I'm at. Actually, I would do that if you wanted me to. So that'd be pretty fun. But yeah, no, I was just asking. I honestly was just kind of breaking your balls a little bit because I love Ashley. But no, 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 I get it. If you if you guys got it figured out, that's cool. I'm happy for you kids. I mean, now all we've given is people ammunition because I know the two piece ch- patron chat is going to now be. Oh my god, can we please yeah. get a rapid reaction of Gerald to Dan's wedding? It's the whole thing, and then like, Which, like it's reap not gonna be the a real fucking and... ceremony. Like, if anything, it'd be Gerald at the courthouse, and then the court steward would be like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" And he'd be like, "I'm doing a live reaction to my friend's wedding." Like, get the fuck out. He'd be like, "Keep it down, dude. I'm trying to marry these guys." Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not the best idea, and also I'm not sure how Ashley would appreciate it. So I think she'd think it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I had to well, show her I'm your, your you. wife doing a rap reaction of your rap reaction, and she laughed her ass off to that, so I think oh, she'd appreciate for, it. Thanks for sharing my humiliation around your household. That's great. <laughs> I, show, I showed the dogs. They thought it was funny. Oh, man. Well, at least my wife lets me do my thing out here, so if the occasional her poking fun of me is what I have to put up with, that's fine, I guess. That's true. Uh, that's, that's also how I deal with things, and it's, uh, it's pretty great, Gerald. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I agree. Well, if you need me, I'm here for you, man. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, if you're here for me, I'm if whatever, uh, whatever you just said, uh, you got it's that? time to get into what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. So, Gerald, you're guesting. What do you got? Well, uh, I'm going to disappoint you because, as you know, I'm getting up super early tomorrow. So I have. A tall glass of water, and then uh, I did make a cup of coffee pre-recording, but I've already finished it, which is probably a little too quickly yeah. for my chest pain situation that may be coming up here, creeping their way into our recording here shortly. But I'm just drinking water, man, just because I have to be up at like 5 a.m. So sure, sure, sorry sure. about that. But uh, I did have I did have many beers earlier, if that helps. At the I, pool, I saw so. that, and I was really hoping you'd still be drunk enough from that, <laughs> and that would yeah, carry was, over uh, into some weird energy. Yeah, it was like an early afternoon thing, so I had like, you know, four or five beers at the pool today, but it was just blue moon, so it's nothing really to write home about, but right. But that was uh, a good time. What about you? So I am sipping on my homemade, and by homemade I mean uh, Tito's plus uh, ginger jalapeno lime uh, vodka. Wow, uh, that's, a, that's a mouthful, huh? Yeah, it's it's something I do, like, it's deep, like, I cut up jalapeno, uh, I cut up uh, ginger, and I, and I slice some limes. And you uh, use those uh, to steep vodka in, and it tastes mm-hmm. very good. Now, I've done this multiple times in the episode before, so what's so special about it, Dan? I'm glad you asked. Uh, I'm drinking it from a Blink-182 stainless steel mug. Uh, we oh, just had uh, day 182 of the year recently. I want to say it was like oh, July okay. 2nd. So every uh, day 182 of every year, they do a uh, Blink-182 does a merch drop, and they did this stainless steel mug. And I'm like, well... I want that. I assumed it was actually a ceramic mug, but then when I got it, it was stainless steel. I'm like, that's even better. Wow. Okay. I did. That's actually a genius like marketing thing, though. That they I agree. Did that. Yeah. I think any anybody that has number in their title, why aren't they doing that? Because that's well, that's pretty genius. 
You have the band 311, which has their day on uh, March 11th. Okay. Yeah. Instead of day 311, because that's around the ho- like it's perfect because that's around the holidays. Day 311 yeah. of the year, so you want to avoid that. So you go with the thing after everyone gets their credit card bills for the holidays. <laughs> right. March 11th. I didn't know. I didn't know they did that either. Yeah. Uh, All I, right. Well. I don't know about some 41 or anybody like that, but yeah, those those are the two big ones. This does remind me too that I need to get you your two peas pint glass. I have that for you. It's oh. not going to be as cool as your stainless 182 bullshit or whatever, but I do have a, a two-piece pint glass for you. I just need to see you again, and you know, I didn't want to bring it to New York when you live up the street from me, so I have it here for you. It's true. We were going to do... I feel like we were going to do a movie at some point, and then you're like, nah, I can't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I invited you, and you you told me to go to hell. Oh, no, to no, see that, Zola. That was you Zola. You weren't into Zola. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you like it, so therefore I won't. That's how it I'm works. going to see Pig tomorrow night. That'd be cool. But it's just a solo ticket. But I, I gotta edit this show. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, uh, moving on. We have stacking triggers, Gerald. Plug your ears. We have stacking triggers. Uh, the Magic of the Gathering podcast that myself, Caleb, and Bill do. Uh, this week we talked about uh, in-person event etiquette and what you should do. Uh, hint: It's shower, shower, shower. What the fuck is this? Is this what is this? What is what? I'm joking with you. I, I know all you. about. I know all about your stacking triggers. I'm just joking. And then, uh, because Caleb wasn't there, Bill and I talked about our top five uh, cards from the Commanders product that's coming out for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, uh, and what we are potentially putting in our decks. So, if that sounds interesting to you, uh, give stacking triggers a listen. The link is in the show notes. Uh, quite the thing. Podcast awards are still going. I think. Yeah. When is, uh, how are y'all doing in that? I don't know. It's not like it's a, a running tally. Oh, okay. Oh, All right. it looks like, is it over? Oh, wow. It's ended. Is it? Oh, no. 19 days, 23 hours uh, as of as of recording. So likely. Uh, so the end of July. The yeah, end of the, the month. Oh, it's Harry Potter's birthday. That's when it is. July mm-hmm. 31st is Harry Potter's birthday, Gerald, if you didn't know. Uh, so I that's didn't. When, that's when the podcast awards are. Okay. Well, that seems to line up there that checks out okay well i've already cast my vote for you so hopefully everyone else does as well hey thanks buddy uh is there anything you want to plug right up the top because i've i figured out that uh, plugging things at the top is much better than plugging things at the end you're probably right i mean i wonder if i should because actually it's funny that you said that because i actually thought about that recently i was like i wonder if i should let my guests do this up top but I don't know. Maybe I'll have you come up with my <laughs> production notes for my next two piece podcast because I have I need so it. many production notes, Gerald. I need you, it. You are. I need it. I mean, you're you're getting to see behind. Uh, <laughs> you're through the looking glass right now, and you're seeing the the doc that I carefully craft every week for the show. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, but I'm just I'm doing a lot more on YouTube, so I'm trying to send anytime I do a guest spot, I'm just trying to send people over to my YouTube channel. It's adjacent to the podcast and uh, the top five episodes that I do for the main show are going to be on YouTube as well in like a video format. So you get the podcast there and then you also get all of my adjacent material, which is basically just like movie reviews and reactions videos and stuff like that. So I'm doing, you know, little cool video edits. I'm kind of just practicing my video editing and having fun with that over on YouTube. So anybody that's into it, it's just youtube.com backslash two peas on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, currently, you're sitting at uh, 191 subscribers. So let's get the band to 200. 
That'd be great, man. You know, I, I got I set myself up these little milestones, and it is definitely a crawl situation over on the world of YouTube. So it's oh, is there an alligator? It's different. Well, it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, just an injured alligator, you know. But yeah. it's it's. I mean, I, I know you remember we did. To that point, though, we did live stream for the cure. What was it like, May twenty third or something like that? I don't yeah, know when uh, it was. I May nineteenth to the twenty third or something like that. And at that time, I only had like eighty or something, and now I'm at one ninety one. So, you know, by that rationale, it's a pretty good growth over the course of like a month and a half. But yeah, it's just it's a definitely a crawl before you walk before you run scenario on YouTube. So I'm just trying to stay consistent and have fun with it. So. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that link will be in the show notes. But yeah, uh, go fo- go sub to Gerald on YouTube and watch his bad movie takes. Except Please. for except for when his son is uh, also doing Chandler reacts. Uh, <laughs> Logan has better takes than Gerald. Just get he does have just, good ones. Just give him the keys to the to the YouTube. That's what it comes down to. Did you hear when he came up with Godmonger for What If? Did you watch the What If trailer react he did? Uh, I have not yet because I haven't even thought of What If. That is the next Marvel thing I'm going to watch. I can tell you that. Well, spoiler alert, but, you know, Killmonger's in the trailer, and afterwards, Logan's just literally just, like, off the top of his head thinking, and he's like, you know, maybe there's, like, a good, you know, altar to Killmonger and his Godmonger, and I'm just like, that's pretty good, man. <laughs> so, I don't know, he was just spitfalling, but, yeah, he, he's he's a good kid, he's a sharp tack, you know, so. Yeah, uh, Apple does far fall, uh, fall far from the tree. In this case, yes. yes. All right, uh, and with all that preamble shit out of the way it's time to get in the news oh shit it's mail time first up cursed has been canceled after one season the catherine langford led fantasy series centered around a retelling of the legend of king arthur from the perspective of nimue known as the lady in the lake cursed initially premiered in july 2020 so it's unclear why the delayed cancellation interestingly though as reported by What's on Netflix, props from the show started appearing on eBay back in April, signaling that mm. the show had been canceled as early as then. So, Gerald, what, yeah, do, you, I, what, what do you know about Cursed? Uh, what do you feel about this? And uh, give me your thoughts. Not a lot, to be honest. I've never seen it, first of all. But, I mean, this is a bummer because I do love Catherine Langford. I think she's a great actress. And I like this premise, which the Lady in the Lake and that whole, you know, the lore kind of around that seems really, really cool. And this is one that, if I had the time, I probably would check out. And I mean, I know I still can go back and do that for what's on there. So maybe I will, but that's just a bummer because, I don't know, did you watch this? I mean, this seems yes. like a pretty cool premise to me. Yeah, that was, that was actually the big reason I watched it. It was because of the, the cool premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the acting was fine. It was like a fine show. There was a lot of world building in the first season, and I feel like that's the problem with a lot of fantasy series. Like uh, The Witcher, for instance, I I felt like the first season was exclusively world building and the second season from then on can all be what it is. Uh, Mm. As for why I think this got canceled, like I said, it was a year later that it was canceled from by Netflix. So I'm guessing that as far as I understand that filming took place in England and they still don't have COVID under control. Like Netflix is willing to put off filming for a bit because of COVID, but uh, mm-hmm. because there's still issues with COVID filming and, and that kind of stuff, they were just like, well, we can't keep putting this off anymore. And I'm sure some of the actors were like, look, we just want to move on to our other projects. Like we have other stuff waiting. We can go do that. 
let's we will like just let us go and we can go do that. So Netflix was like, all right, cool, and just canceled it and just went. Everyone can do whatever they want now. It's also funny that because I didn't know this was canceled until I read your your show notes today, but. It's also funny because this got suggested in my Netflix recently. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't know. This is weird that they're pumping up canceled, uh, canceled shows, but I can remember it popping up in my suggested videos. I don't remember what I was watching at the time, but um, again, everything I've seen about it, it looks really cool and I love her in the lead. So I would have checked this out. So my initial reaction is just kind of a bummer. It sounds like it's going to be short-lived, you know? Yeah. And I mean... I know people are going to be pissed off about this, but uh, when it's this long out, it's definitely not viewership. It's something with negotiations or something else behind the scenes that's causing the issue. And mm-hmm. based on recent events, I'm fairly confident it was COVID that had some kind of effect on the production for this. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's messing everything else up. Uh, next up is just kind of a wrap up of like announcements and such. Uh, we have... Red Notice, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot, will premiere on November 12th. Uh, That seems like it's going to be a big day for media, because I know there's going to be several big game releases also on that day. Mm, Okay. And uh, The Witcher Season 2 will release on uh, December 17th, so very late in the the year thing. Uh, Also, their uh, animated spinoff, I think it was called Blood of the Wolf, uh, will premiere on August 23rd. So, uh, get ready for that as a main topic. Okay. Uh, any of this stuff you care about? Red Notice, I do. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm fearful that it might just be a lot of, you know, like maybe no substance, just all flash, you know, with the cast and everything sure. and the set pieces and the action sequences and whatnot. But I mean, how can you go wrong? I mean, I guess we'll find out, <laughs> but my hope is that it, they don't go wrong, but how do you go wrong with the rock Ryan Reynolds and, gal i mean i just feel like that's a triple threat combo that's to die for so uh it's definitely going to be a powerhouse film i feel like and i'm assuming it's going to get them a shit ton of views when it rolls around but i am excited for that one i'm looking forward to that we will see like i said that's a crowded day in terms of media i know there's uh several games that are releasing around that date so video games and uh i mean so it's gonna be interesting to see like how that stacks up uh, yeah. that said, it's probably gonna be a, a two hour investment. Uh, and Gerald, you ask how they're going to screw up a rock Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot movie. Well, I want to point out that the rock and Ryan Reynolds were in, uh, Hobbs and Shaw and that movie yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, luckily that's one that I have alluded. I have not seen that yet. Although I probably will be watching that before the end of the year for my Patreon. So I'll have to sit through it, but yeah, I heard that was a bit of a shit show. So yeah. Uh, also Gal Gadot from the Fast and Furious franchise, so, uh, three Fast mm-hmm. and Furious alums in a, a Netflix movie. Can't go wrong. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I ne- you know, I'm excited for it, and I have my fingers crossed, but, you know, there's been other action movies on Netflix that you would think would have just been amazing, and they were just kind of mediocre, so I hope this one doesn't fall into that trap, but... I'm hopeful. I never uh, watched The Witcher. I know. I know you and Caleb both spoke pretty pretty highly of it when you reviewed it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of of that type of storytelling. So I don't know why I just haven't latched onto that one yet. But maybe I'll give that one a shot before the December premiere of season two. Try yeah. to get caught up on it. But I, I know you guys like it. I would even give it a shot before then because we have the animated uh, movie coming out 
next month. So you you have plenty of time between now and then to get caught up on the Witcher universe. Yeah, yeah, I have to get on it, man. No, you gotta you gotta ridicule me and keep me on my shit. You know, well, I have so much more to ridicule you about. Like I I can't even be fucking bothered anymore. <laughs> the list is growing. No. Uh, and then move us over into Downstream, where uh, I, we talk about some trailers that came out this week. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! First up, we have My Unorthodox Life. This is an Ashley show, uh, meaning it's a reality series. Meet mm-hmm. the Hearts, uh, with two A's and not an E-R, or E-A, or whatever. Uh, my Unorthodox Life is a new Netflix reality series centered around the personal and professional life of fashion mogul Julia Hart a former member of an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community turned CEO of Elite World Group and her family. Uh, Since Mm. taking the reins of a global talent empire, Hart has been on a mission to revolutionize the industry from the inside out, all while being a mother of four. Her children include uh, Batsheva, a TikToker who got married at 19, Miriam, an app designer carving her own path, and Shlomo, I, I swear these are their real fucking names. Uh, Shlomo, a future lawyer navigating dating in New York City, and Aaron, the most normal name of them all, a high schooler torn between two conflicting cultures. They're unconventional and unstoppable. Shlomo, the biggest Zack Snyder fan on reality TV. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I didn't see this trailer. I know I was supposed to do my homework, Dan, but I'm sorry. I just jumped on the mic here nope. with you. And I told this you to watch one... two, I told you to watch two trailers. This is one of the ones I did not tell you to watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mainly this is for seen. Ashley. So Ashley can do her reality Netflix corner whenever I ask her to. Well, it does sound like just popcorn television, man. So yeah. snuggle up, you know, get the, get the, uh, what do they call those big blankets that were popular 10 years ago? Get the snu- was Snuggie, right? Oh, get the, the Snuggie sn- out. The Snuggie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking yeah, get die. that out. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, next up, we have a thing I haven't seen a single movie for, and now I feel like I have to watch the whole thing now that the trilogy is out. Uh, it is The Kissing Booth, part three. It's the summer before Elle heads to college, and she's facing the hardest decision of her life, whether to move across the country with her dreamy boyfriend Noah, fulfill her lifelong promise to go to college with her BFF Lee, whose heart will Elle break as the kithing booth, kithing booth, who the fuck am I, Mike Tyson, Uh, as the kissing booth trilogy comes to an end. Oh, man. Gerald, have you watched any of these? No. Who are these people? I'm trying to look in the little thumbnail here. Who are these people? Is there anybody, is there like a teen actress that's pretty popular? Or am I uh, of the girl else? is. Whoever the girl is, is like the most popular person from, I, I, I've seen her in other movies. I have no, is it Joey King? Is that her name? I don't know. It's Joey um, something. It is Joey King. How do I fucking know that? Hey, there you go. No, I, I haven't seen any of these. This is not really my cup of tea, Dan, so, you know. But if you want to watch the trilogy, I'll watch it with you. Oh Just my god, should we do that for my first time? We should, actually. That'd be a good one. It's a good There's idea. Three movies. There's well, three movies my first now. time, we but we actually put it on our our actual feeds because they're semi-relevant. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. We might have to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Gerald, did you ever watch that movie, The Act? I don't think so. Okay. It doesn't ring a bell. Because uh, Joey King stars in that. She is a, a bald girl with massive glasses. Also, apparently she's in The Conjuring. The first one? Yeah. 
Oh, she must be the young daughter. In she's got to be a daughter. She's got to be like one of the daughters. Yeah. Oh, okay. she's an Independence Day resurgence. Oh, no. Wow. Well, she can only go up from there, I guess. Uh, that's true. Uh, she, but she went to these movies, so we'll find out, Joe. Uh, we'll, we have to, we'll have to schedule that and see if, if that's something we want to actually want to undertake. We shall see. Uh, our next trailer is for Resort to Love. Mm. Uh, Christina Milian plays an aspiring singer on a journey to find herself in paradise. What she actually finds is her ex-fiance, Jay Farrow, his new bride, Christi- Christiana Pitts, and a hunking, a hunky fling, uh, Cinqua Walls. In the destination rom-com we all need right now, produced by Alicia Keys, directed by Steven Sushita, watch Resort to Love only on Netflix July 29. Uh, Gerald, I made you watch this trailer for some reason. What did you think? Yeah, any trailer... <laughs> you did make me watch this before we recorded. Any trailer that has a title card that comes up that says, From the Creators of Falling in Love... Yep! <laughs> ...comes whatever... You know what you're in for, and it's probably a rom-com dud, would be my guess. The trailer was very, like, you could, it was very predictable to what the movie's going to be. You know, she, her ex-fiance is there. She has this new love interest on the island. She's trying to fight her feelings for that dude, but he's the right one. You know, so the audience is probably going to pull for him. But she's going to keep making dumb choices, and like eventually mm-hmm. they're going to end up together. Of course, that's my guess. So it looks not good. <laughs> I don't think I would ever put eyes on this unless you force me to do so. I will not force you to do so. However, I might have to force Sam from Movie Views and Twenty Qs to do so because uh, we've we very much like our friendship kind of blossomed whenever Falling in Love happened because Falling in Love took place in New Zealand and I just referred to him constantly being like, hey, is this a real New Zealand thing that's happening? Is this a real New Zealand thing that's happening? <laughs> so uh, I feel like there's a Movie Reviews and 20 Qs episode coming up for Resort to Love. Wow, that, I'll listen to that then, for yeah. sure. Uh, That'll be a good time. But we'll find out. Uh, as for me, yeah, this looks fucking terrible because it's a Christina Milian movie about her going on a destination vacation <laughs> to a different country. Uh, she is the rom-com Adam Sandler. Mm, yikes. Has she done these? I mean, she's done a the, lot of rom-coms it, or no? Because I know her music and career. Falling in Love. Like, and, oh, she was in Falling in Love, too. Oh, okay, oh, I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. Uh, okay. that's why whenever it said in falling in love, I'm like, well, yeah, of course. I'm pretty sure Christina, Christina Milian has her own studio that, or her own production house that does these movies. She had a couple songs that slap back in the day though. Oh, she she's did. Good, and that's why I like her. aspiring singer. And it's like, get the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Let's just get this over with guys. Yeah. Resort to love. All right. Well, yeah. uh, so yeah, get ready for that. Everybody. It's going to be a thing that mm-hmm. we're all going to hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the final thing we have to talk about is Sweet Girl. A devastated husband, Jason Momoa, vows to bring justice to the people responsible for his wife's death while protecting the only family he has left, his daughter, Isabella Merced. Uh, Gerald, what did you think of Sweet Girl? Well, I saw your list of downstream topics, and this was the one trailer that I'd actually meant to watch, but I just watched it before we started recording. Did we get a live reaction? No, I didn't do a reaction because I was on with you. Maybe I should have. But, I mean, probably because of Momoa. You know, I'm a fan of his. and I like him. I, and seeing him in this action role, you know, might be cool. I don't know. The trailer didn't do as much for me as I was kind of hoping it would. It seems like kind of a weird, like, storyline. I, I don't know. Like, his sure. wife's dying of a terminal disease or something. And 
I guess he's blaming the pharmaceutical company or the hospital or I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing to go after revenge for. <laughs> I don't know, at least in this way, unless it was like in a courtroom or something. So I don't know. It's just strange. But I mean, some of the action looked cool in it. You know, some of the different like fight scenes and fight choreography that they showed in the trailer looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll definitely give it a shot because I like him. Um, but I guess I was hoping the trailer was going to be a little better, a little bit of a better look into what we might get. Yeah. Well, Gerald, uh, it's serendipity that you're on this episode when this trailer drops because mm-hmm. you and I did a top five movies from our hometown. Uh, it was originally supposed to be hometown. Uh, it was, we then morphed into home state. Mm-hmm. Eight seconds into this trailer, I saw Jason Momoa running along a bridge, and I went, is this Pittsburgh? And then oh. I saw PNC Park, and I'm like, oh my fucking god, it's Pittsburgh. Uh, and then freaked go. out for a whole five fucking minutes, because uh, a Netflix movie is set in Pittsburgh, my hometown. Uh, so this is automatically a 10 out of 10 movie. There's nothing that could beat oh, okay. this. Uh, I'm very excited to watch this. Now, Gerald, what do you know Isabella Merced from? Uh, I feel like I should know this because that sounds. She looked familiar, and the name sounds familiar. Um, I don't know. I don't want to cheat. Give me a hint. Can you say map? I don't know. I feel like I should know this. All right, I don't know it. That okay? That I want, I want to point out when I hit right now. What I just said was a tremendous hint for anybody who has watched Dora the Explorer because she was the live action Dora the Explorer. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, she was. Okay. Remember, yep. remember the creepy guy who was like, wow, there's no sex appeal to this 16-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, Damn. Well, I should have known that. You should have known I, that. I mean... I didn't... You know what? In my defense, though, that is one of the very few, if not only, time... In fact, that might be the only time I got to confirm with my wife that she took Logan to see a movie. Because I oh, usually... Oh, wow. I, usually, usually, I take him. But her and him... Uh, whenever that came out, I don't know, was that like two years ago, I guess, to see Dora in the theater, and I didn't go because I was at work. So that's probably the only time. So I never actually saw that movie, but I do recognize her. Now that you say that, it makes yeah. perfect sense. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, I'm, of course, invested in this. I don't know if we're going to do it as a main topic, because that comes, around, uh, uh, that comes out around the same time as the Witcher movie. Ooh, actually, mm. that, that releases on a Friday, and the Witcher movie releases on a Monday? Is that right? I have to look up the Witcher movie now. Oh, yeah, August 23rd. That's fucking weird. That's a Monday. Huh. Interesting. Netflix has been, like, varying up the release schedules now, but when Friday is still the big day. But that that is interesting that they went on a Monday. But okay, whatever. I'm fine with it. Uh, So, yeah. Actually, we'll get to do both. Por que no las dos, Gerald? We're doing both. Fuck it. Uh, I, Caleb, I'm pulling rank here and, and making us watch Sweet Girl. Uh, also, like, we both like Jason Momoa. Like, we both, uh, watched, uh, what was this show on Netflix called? C. No, that was, oh, that's, oh, that was that's on Apple. Apple TV. Show on Netflix. Uh, he plays a half Indian, half Irish man who is fucking up the British trading company. It was a CBC co-production. Why can't I fucking remember this? Fuck! This is gonna drive me nuts. Now I have to go look it up. Hmm. I know all the relevant m- things about it, other than what it's fucking called. Frontier. That's it. 
Oh, yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, uh, he was the most compelling part of that show. So, uh, if you ever want to watch that show, go for it, but I, I don't think it's particularly great. Okay. Then we'll move us over to Quick Hits, where we talk about some things we watched on Netflix this week. <laughs> So, Gerald, did you watch anything on Netflix this week other than, you know, the things later in the show notes? Yeah, I watched what we're going to be talking about, and I was going through my letterbox because this week the answer would be no. This oh, week. wow. I mean, fucking I watched plenty of plenty of stuff, but nothing on Netflix. Fucking traitor. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I watched something I, th- I believe you have seen. Uh, things Seen and Heard. Uh, this stars Amanda Seyfried. No, I, this is one that I was going to watch on the flight back from New York. I think you, I asked you about it. I don't know if you remember me asking you about it. You hadn't seen it at that point, and I didn't. I can't remember what I watched. I watched something different. Um, so I still haven't caught this yet. Did okay. you like it? Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, so this is about a family in the, in the 1980s uh, with Amanda Seyfried is, of course, the wife. Uh, her husband and daughter moved to upstate New York. Uh, because he got a professor position. The husband got a professor position at a uh, local university. Uh, and so it's about, like, uh, how upstate New York-y houses have, like, any old house has, like, ghosts in it. And how ghosts reflect on the on the future and how the future isn't much different than the past. Uh, and things unravel from there, including their entire relationship. Like it just turns out this dude's been gaslighting her the whole fucking time, and she she's finally getting wise to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to spoil it, even okay. though I don't particularly recommend this movie. If you want to watch it, Gerald, I'm not going to blame you. But mm-hmm. I might check it out. But uh, I think Amanda Seyfried is very good in it. Uh, I think her husband's fine. It has F. Marie Abraham as well. Uh, it. I I'll say this. I really liked it until the last 15 minutes where it just fucking went off a cliff in in terms of what it was doing. Uh, It it just got too strange with with where it went. So uh, if you like Amanda Seyfried, she's at least good in this. Uh, So Mm. is the guy. I don't know who who the guy is, but uh, he is such a fucking douche nozzle. All right. Well, sounds like it's kind of eh. Uh, I gave, I wound up giving it a two out of five. Uh, that's how bad the ending was. Like it was teetering on that, like three, three and a half range. And then the last 15 minutes happened. And it's like, what the fuck is going on anymore? Ugh. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, speaking of something that sucks, uh, it's time to cut into a quick break. And when we come back <laughs> from said break, it'll be time for our main review topic of fear street, 1978. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Della Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. 
Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Gerald, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Fear Street Part 2, 1978. Uh, this is a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, the logline is Shady Side, 1978. School's out for summer, and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another Shady Sider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun of the sun becomes a gruesome fight for survival. This is directed by Lee Janiak, who directed uh, 1994. Uh, written by Zach Okowitz, uh, Lee Janiak, and Philip uh, Grazetti. Uh, and this stars Sadie Sink, Emily Rudd, and Ryan Simpkins. So, uh, as per usual, we start with the guests. So, Gerald, what did you think of uh, Fear Street 1978? Um, <laughs> well, general thoughts are I was extremely disappointed in this installment. I, you know, was lukewarm on 94 as well, the first one. It was okay. This one was even worse, in my opinion, in terms of like my enjoyment level for it. But I just go back to disappointing just because this was the one I was looking forward to the most, as I told you, which is actually why I'm on this episode to begin with. Correct. You know, it just, it should be my shit. You know what I mean? Like, I should love it. And I just, I mean, we'll get into why, I'm sure, as the discussion goes on. But I think a lot of the ways that this film was kind of morphed and we got the product that we got the way that it was built was not the right way in my opinion it was paced poorly and it was just like almost two different movies and it just took forever to get to that second movie in the second half of this of this one which is when there was some stuff that I actually enjoyed so overall it was just a disappointment it was kind of there were a lot of like stupid things that happened um that defy logic that I'm sure we'll get into in the spoiler section but you know, overall, there were some cool kills once they finally showed up. But aside from just a few cool moments, it was dull and lackluster for me. So it was a big disappointment. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this right now. I think Fear Street overall is a disappointment. I think a lot of yeah, us I were agree. super hyped about this uh, film franchise that is basically going to take place over three weeks. We're like, mm -hmm. hey, we're going to get like, imagine if you got all three Conjuring movies. I know you don't really like the second, the third one, but imagine mm -hmm. you got all three Conjuring movies back to back to back. And apparently the original right. release schedule for this was uh, when they were going to be released in theaters through 20th Century Fox was that they were going to be released uh, once a month, which would be super right. interesting because, you know, you'd have your first month and be like, oh, shit cool how, do, how does this resolve and you wait a whole month and you talk about it uh, instead with the netflix model it's like hey people forget after 30 seconds so we got to release this shit back to back to back so right you're still kind of getting that but it's netflix um but yeah i mean like, i will say it's just, uh, just go ahead well i'm sorry i was gonna say just to interject on that point i will say that i do love that model and i think it's brilliant and i think that you know i know there's a lot of fear street material for from rl stein that could be used in the future so I do like that kind of like almost episodic, you know, horror anthology kind of thing. You know, I do like that model. I just have not connected to the first two movies. I mean, there's there's been pieces that I enjoyed in both, but overall they've both been quote unquote, you know, below average yeah. movies. Um, as for what I think, I think this is actually better than part one. I did not connect with mm. part one at all. Uh, I thought the characters were bad, and I thought the acting was bad. Uh, you know, the, 
we talked about it last week. The bread slicer kill is probably one of my like if if not my favorite, one of my favorite kills I've ever seen in a horror movie because I've never mm-hmm. it was so inventive. I was just so you know, I was like, oh, there are some nuggets to this that are great. Mm-hmm. But overall, it just felt like a world-building movie. This movie takes away a lot of world building. Like the world building happens and it feels natural in the movie as opposed to the previous movie where it's just like, hey, we got to set up all this shit for the other two. This one feels like they're telling their own story. If you remove the bookends of of the movie, like uh, if you if you just take this movie and put it in 1978, I timed it. Uh, it was about eight minutes until we got into 1978 from the start of uh, this movie. Uh, and then it mm-hmm. was 35 minutes from there to the first kill. And I know you said mm-hmm. it was like 45 minutes, which is about right till the first mm-hmm. kill. And I understand that being a problem for you. But basically, as soon as it hit 1978, <laughs> I shut off I, my brain, like reset and was like, OK, this is about the correct time for a kill uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a horror slasher movie. And I was really hoping for something like Sleepaway Camp, which yeah. pretty much this was uh, in essence. Uh, so I was happy there. I was actually going to rate this very favorably until the very end of the movie, uh, which just completely ruined it for me, uh, like with things seen and heard. But uh, yeah, I I like this one much better. The actors are better. Uh, I think the script is just better. I think think everything's just better about this movie. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you in terms of like you know, the technical parts of the filmmaking, because I think they're pretty equal in that regards. I just think that 1978 as a project, especially once they got there to 78 in the story, that first eight minutes aside, it was better in terms of like being a little more authentic. Cause you know, I graduated high school in 94. So it's hard to, you know, make a movie right in the prime of like my youth when I'm going to college and like, I'm, you know what I mean? I remember all that stuff pretty vividly. And that was when I was kind of being molded with the different things in pop culture that were influencing me. So if you, you know, for example, drop a song in that's from a year later, I'm going to be like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not 1994 or like whatever costuming or whatever you want to say. But in 1978, I was only three years old. So of course I don't remember. And it did feel like that sleepaway camp Friday the 13th kind of vibe. Um, you know, and I did like the aesthetic and the production design. And you're absolutely 100% right that the acting in this one was much better. I do agree with that as well. I guess I just, I mean, they're pretty equal to me, to be honest. I just didn't really like either one of them. So it just kind of comes down to like, you know, pennies and nickels, really. And sure. It's just kind of like which which one was better in this department and that department or whatever. So you could flip a coin and one day I might like 78 better and the next day I might like 94 better. They were just both pretty disappointing. Yeah. And and like I said, I feel like this, this whole trilogy is going to be disappointing. It doesn't matter if like fucking 1666 could be a 10 out of 10 movie. And I still feel like this trilogy is going to be a massive disappointment at the end, not in terms of numbers because Netflix is going to love the numbers on this. I I feel Uh, there's no early indication yet as to what, like how these are doing. Uh, we're coming up on an investor call soon. I wonder if we will see the numbers for all three, uh, at least mm. projected during that investor call. But as of now, I, I feel like these are doing well enough that Netflix is like, okay, maybe we'll continue to revisit the Fear Street universe. Uh, right. I, I just hope they're they're handled by people who take more care. Because I, I assume that 
you know, 1994, 1978, and 1666 were all going to be directed by different people. Uh Uh-uh. Same person is directing all three. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. a mistake. I honestly feel like that's a mistake. Like, I, 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 it just feels like every, every one of them should feel different. And if you look at the style in which they're all shot so far, they look the same. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. You know, I never thought about it from that aspect, but I guess you're right, because, I mean, they are obviously in such different eras and dealing with different, you know, idiosyncrasies from those time frames and stuff like that. So it would be cool to, you know, bring in directors that might flourish in a different type of environment. You know, generally speaking, I'm always for having the same director, you know, if it's like a trilogy or like two movies back to back or like whatever, you know, one of the most infamous ones is like the whole Ryan Johnson yeah, thing and the oh, trilogy yeah. for Star Wars. It's like, so I'm generally speaking, I think it's a good idea, but I think in, in this respect, because it's not a continuity thing. I mean, there's like 20 years between these two and then there's like, you know, 400 years between the other one or whatever. So yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up. It would have been cool to see a different directors kind of spin on these different time eras, you know? I'm not saying this is what should have happened because I don't think he would do it, but imagine Robert Eggers doing 1666. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, it's just, it would be impressive. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. You you get like, uh, I don't know, somebody who can emulate the 1970s, like the late 1970s, early 80s horror style, uh, maybe yeah. like an Adam Wingard. Almost like I mean, what, like the get you had the guest, which is basically Halloween, but you know, told from the perspective of Michael. Right. What I fear is that, and I know we're reviewing seventy eight, but what I fear is that we'll get to like the sixty six episode next week and, or movie next week, and it'll be like you know the CW in Old Salem, you know, and I just I don't those two things shouldn't go together. This like teen drama with you know the Salem witchcraft era. I mean, those two things don't go together. So I'm hoping that it's a little more authentic to the time. And the 78 one is probably going to seem the most authentic to people like you and me, because it does fit with kind of what our preconceived psyche is for that, you know, those camp blood type slashers, you know, Mm -hmm. and they did, they did a really good job of kind of capturing what we usually see um, in those types of movies that take place in the 70s or 80s on a campsite. You know, you mentioned Sleepaway Camp, which is a big one, obviously, Friday the 13th. So I think that that one, that this one that we're talking about tonight is probably going to, in other words, it's probably going to come away as being the most accurate depiction of these three films, in my, in my opinion. I don't know, because I haven't seen 66 yet, but that'd be my guess. Yeah. And I think the big problem with 66 is going to be that uh, it's, uh, what her name is, uh, Kiana Madeira. Uh, she mm-hmm. is the one who plays Dina. I didn't think she was any good in the first part, uh, and no. it's going to be completely on her shoulders, uh, seemingly for part three. Uh, in old timey language, potentially, uh, if they went the Robert Eggers route, I doubt they're doing that. But like, I don't trust in her after seeing, right. you know, part one. To, to be able to do what it's going to be required to do to make six, 1666 a, a, a movie that I'm going to be excited to watch. Now, uh, we're still talking about 1666 because I, I guess that's the thing. Is it like, this is building all towards that. And there's like, 
it's not like, hey, we can wait a few a few weeks or a few months or a few years to see 1666. No, we're getting everything in a, a three week span. So, like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, the anticipation is we just want the next one. And I just want the next one to be good because I don't th- yeah. for all the stuff I like about 1978, it's still not a good movie. It's fine. There it is, everybody. Uh, Netflix and Swill Bingo. Dan says it's fine. But, like, it's a fine movie. It's just nowhere near where it needs to be in order for me to give a fuck about this franchise. Like, I'd be on the Julio bandwagon right now, if I could be. Mm -hmm. I'd be done watching this after the first one, because I fucking, I do not like that one at all. Yeah, uh, I am absolutely with you on that. In fact... I think I made a comment. I can't remember if it was in our Twitter chat or just somebody I may have been talking to randomly, but I, if I wasn't reviewing this film with you, I don't know that I would have watched it after seeing 94. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, didn't impress me. It didn't give me what I expected, what I wanted. And 78, it sounds like you're higher on this one than you were on 94, but it, in, from my perspective, 78 even came up further short in those categories. Right. I just wanted so much more you know, Jason-esque type, you know, over-the-top kills, and they were all pretty similar in this movie. And aside from the aesthetic and stuff that we mentioned with the production design, this movie fell flat for me, too. And that's the thing, is, like, this is an R-rated movie. And, like, in theory, we get to watch somebody axe kids, uh, kids, children, and we don't actually see that. Like, nobody, like... The, the the people we see with on-screen deaths are the ones who are older, potentially around, like, that college age, like, uh, or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna the say, I'm not gonna say, whatnot. yeah, like, the, the counselors and shit, like, we see them die, and that's cool, but, like, like, why can't I watch a child die, you know? <laughs> Just give me a child's death, Just What's give the big me deal? one, don't, don't show yeah. it off-screen, like, lean into your R rating, man. Like, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. saying fuck all the time isn't the only thing that should make your movie R-rated if you're a horror movie. That's right. Uh, anything else non-spoiler you want to talk about before we get into spoilers and kind of talk about, like, the nitty-gritty, the kind of stuff that really irked us in terms of plot? I mean, I don't I don't guess this is spoiler uh, or not, but, I mean, Needle Drop 2.0 in this movie, too, huh? Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, I am, you know, I love music. I mean, particularly the 90s, which, of course, the first movie was 94. So, you know, I should have just been gobbling that up, you know, like a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. But I was just like, this is overkill. Yeah. Like, this is way too much. And they did it again in this movie. You know, it, it became a little sparse as this movie went on. But it seems like the first act of both of these films, like the first like half hour of both of these movies are just like literally 50 songs that are just popular that were on the radio or that you recognize just being thrown at you. And I know that Cruella from Disney got some heat for that earlier this year. Oh, I gave it some so heat. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know if this is like a new thing or whatever, but it's just like. It's lazy. It's I lazy mean, yeah, I mean, storytelling. I'm o- I'm okay with a cult, like a like maybe five, you know, like kind of spaced out, but I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I say like 50. Like I feel like there's a shit yeah. ton of like popular songs in each movie. Right. I, it, like I said it's lazy storytelling because you're not trusting yourself to put yourself back 
like your trust your writing and your actors to put put it back in the 1970s. Like it's 1978. Right. The aesthetic feels like 1978 as it is. Like I look at the the clothing the kids are wearing and it's like, yeah, this is 1978. They're all they're styled like they're back in the fucking 70s. You don't need to constantly needle drop 1970s music for me to understand that. And not only that, I mean, it's in your title. So anybody that's tuning into either one of these first two movies, they know what year the movies end if they read the title to the movie. So it just seems like unnecessary. And I don't know, like I went on in Epic Film Guys last week and talked to Justin about 94. And what I, I had a point on that show where I was like, I don't know if they were trying to like give a resurgence to the nostalgia for, for guys like us that were around back then. And like, Oh shit. Like I remember this jam or whatever. And I know the filmmaker grew up in that era in the nineties. So maybe it spoke to her, but I just felt like it was overkill, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like five, five songs tops and you're good. You don't need to, I mean, it was, it, it was like every character you saw, they played a new song. Right. <laughs> The first well, half of the first half of the movie, like Kayla mentioned, there was a, a minute period in 1994 where they played a song, and then they cut to a different <laughs> right. character with a different song playing. Then they cut to a different yeah. character with a different song playing. It's like, yeah. guys, at some point, stop! Like, have, show like some much. restraint. And that's why I think 1666 is going to be very interesting because, like, what are the periods from 1666? Like, what are the songs from that era? Like, what fucking I was gonna say, I... Mozart. Like, are we getting Mozart I... sound drops? <laughs> I guess at least we'll be done with the sound drops, you would imagine. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah. And I mean... But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of this, like, overkill popular music. I mean, if it's original numbers or, like, covers or, like, songs that people have never heard that weren't, like, on the radio, do you know what I mean? Like, then actual maybe underground shit. And not like, hey, yeah, check out this yeah. Nirvana band. No one's ever heard of them before. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah. And I'm even a huge Nirvana fan, and I'm like, ah, all right, here we go again. Because yeah. that was in the 78 movie. <laughs> this movie it started with Nirvana, remember in the very beginning. Oh yeah, from from their unplugged performance. Yeah, yeah, it's so, it's overkill, man. It really is. All right, uh, so with that, it's time to get into some spoilers. So if you want to watch 1978 uh, and haven't yet for some reason, uh, now is the time to tune out and go listen to our Strangers Pray at Night review. Thank Let me you. just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, Imagine you're in a room. No, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the ending. This is what you always do. You always spoil stuff Uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. All right, let's talk about some fucking plot holes, Gerald. Are you ready? Let's do it. Why is the hand still fucking buried at the tree in the mall? What the fuck was that, dude? I was laughing so hard internally when I was watching that because I'm like, please don't let that fucking hand be there (laughs) when they start digging into the fucking tree in the mall. So in 1978, we had the hand from the witch, right? Yep. And they, they show it, the rain like washes it into this like really shallow hole that they had buried or whatever. In 1978, okay? Now, fast forward. And this mall has been constructed in the meantime around this tree. They, they, they kept the tree there in the center of the mall. And there's like this fake like red mulch or whatever in the tree. Because of course it's not, I mean, you know, they have to keep the tree alive and indoors or whatever. And they go back there and they dig up this fucking hand that's like not even two feet under mulch in a mall that was placed there nearly 20 years ago. Yep. 
And when I saw it, Dan, I'm like thinking, this is like SNL skit material. Like if, if SNL was going to do a skit to make fun of this movie, that's the kind of shit they would do. It was just really, and they did it in the first one too. They did it in 94. Remember they went back to the woods and the yep. bones were just like on the leaves or whatever. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if they just don't want to put the work in to like explain how these kids get the hand. And they're just like, oh, well, let's just make this convenient. They go back, they get the hand, they come back, they do the thing or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's so, really lazy, man. It's just yeah, yeah, ridiculous. So that was just hilarious to me. I mean, any, you know, thing I was on with this movie, because that came at a, when that happened in the tree in the mall there, Yeah, that happened at the end of a pretty decent run in this movie. Like, there's about, you know, 20 to 30 minutes in the, like, last like third of this movie that i enjoyed with a lot of the axe kills and stuff like that and kind of the tense moments not knowing where tommy was and that kind of shit and then that happens and i'm just kind of like all right well fuck you guys never mind like i, I didn't like anything i just saw yeah, right. so that one yeah and then i don't know if you want to mention the cpr thing but that one really oh, yeah, killed well, that, me too. That's, that of course is next gerald uh there's no better remedy for multiple stab wounds uh, than performing CPR on a, on someone's body. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, bro, but I'm just telling you, I don't think that would work. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I know our buddy Nick does this when it comes to like film logic and stuff. And I usually turn that off. Like I don't usually, I try not to let that sway my enjoyment of a project, but my thing, here's my thing as a horror person, right? My thing is that we had these two brutal murders in the field there okay right and and they're showing you i mean you know you were talking about killing kids earlier or whatever i mean they're showing that oh yeah that was, into, that's awesome well the them, them getting fucking like destroyed yeah. was awesome and that was great from a horror kills perspective and then we get this fucking dude doing cpr as she's bleeding to death i mean a that wouldn't work and Correct. b it took it took the horror out of that scene because now you're not thinking about this awesome practical kill that we just saw, but you're thinking about this like illogical thing that this kid's doing that's basically making it worse for her. But instead, we're supposed to be led to believe, oh, okay, that fixes it, and now she's okay, and she's the one telling the story. Which, by the way, I saw that coming too. So I knew Ziggy was who she was right uh, the whole time. And I know they tried to make it appear that it was... Her sister, because I think her name was Christine or something yeah, like Cindy. that. Yeah, uh, Christine, C- Cindy. Christine Cindy. is uh, Ziggy's name. Yes, uh, Cindy. And so we knew her name started with a C. So we're supposed to think, oh, okay, that's C. Berman. You know, but the whole time I'm like, it's going to be Ziggy. You know, right. So. I, I, I said that too, about like halfway through. I'm like, oh, Ziggy's going to be uh, C. Berman. And Ashley's like, but right. no, her name's Ziggy. And I'm like, no. Watch. It, uh, that's, yeah, a, watch. that's a nickname. And uh turns right. out I was right the whole fucking time. So suck it, Ashley. Yeah. Yeah, me and you both. I mean, I kind of, you know, predicted that too. So I hate when movies don't surprise me in that way. But yeah, those two moments, particularly in that last little bit there, were just so like again, I'm not trying to do the logic thing, but they were just so illogical. But, that it's but that's like, the thing, it's like there's I can I can suspend disbelief for shit like uh, Michael Myers was at one side of the house and then all of a sudden he's behind the main character in three seconds. I don't give a shit about right. that. That I'm fine with because <laughs> right. like that comes baked into the package when you're talking about a right. horror movie. But then there's just stupid shit like performing CPR on a multiple stab wound victim. 
who who like it's not like she drowned like if fucking she got if she was drowned in like that little hole where mm-hmm. where the hand eventually got washed into first of all that'd been awesome second of all it actually would have made sense but instead they they just fucking stab her a hundred million times and it's like oh okay so we're, we're to expect that she is fine after that no yeah the, and then the 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 fucking what was the future sheriff's name mike or uh, something something good um, I don't remember oh, yeah, his exact name, but Mike Good or something. Yes. And he kept doing that thing. I mean, they knew each other for like two seconds, and he kept being like, "I'm not going to let anything happen to you." Like, you know, they like fucking barely knew each other, which I thought was super cheesy too. And I think, you know, as the audience, we're supposed to connect to their relationship, and you know, no, we're supposed we to don't. care about you know that. I know, and I was like, "Why? No, I don't fucking care." Like, he's basically a counselor creeping on this like. I don't know. Was she seventeen at the time? I don't know. I think. Oh maybe no! She was 17 I, I would time. assume like he's close. Younger. To, even. I, I assume he's seventeen. She's probably around like thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. So I mean, we're supposed to connect to that. I mean, I don't know. You I, know? I mean, it's not my not my thing, brother. So I was just kind of like, clear. I don't I get it. So, you know? I was a notorious freshman dater in high school. So. Okay. Well, there's something everyone didn't know about me. I, I dated. Hey. I'm, I'm with an older woman now, but back in the day, cradle robber. No, I did not know that. I did not see that coming. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of with you, bro. Those two moments were just so stupid Th- and so those illogical. Those ruined the movie for me. Like that. It like really. I, I was. Yeah. I was teeter. Like I was on like that seven, seven and a half, eight range. Like the three, three and a half, four star range right there. I was like, man, this movie is really good. And then, mm-hmm. and then the CPR. And then <sighs> them finding the fucking hand in two in two feet of mulch. That was fucking the dumbest thing. Now here here's my main problem. Why I'm not nearly as high on it as you were, or might end up being when you give your ranking. But you know, okay, so yes, I agree with you. The last like tail end of this movie was fucking just stupid, silly, right? But also, what really really bugged me about this, and I hated this movie pretty quickly. Like it didn't take long for me to start hating this fucking movie, and it just never won me back is you already alluded to it in the non-spoiler section, is that it just takes for fucking ever to become a horror movie. Yep. Like, it's literally narrating an exposition and, like, the story's being told to us for 43 minutes because I remember I, I did the little, yeah. um, you know, thing on your remote to show you the, the ticker at the bottom, and it was, like, 43 minutes and some odd seconds when we finally got the first kill from Tommy. I think it was in the cave scene. and. I'm like, guys, the movie's half over before we even yeah. see anything quote-unquote horror. And I just hated that. Like, the pacing of this movie drove me nuts. Because then, from there, so from like the 43-minute mark-ish, until maybe like the next half hour, I thought was great. Like, that was the part of the movie that I'm talking about that I really liked. Like, we were getting all the camp kills, the slashers, like, all the tense moments, all the like cheesy kind of acting performances that were trying to be like kind of callbacks to 80s horror but I appreciate because I recognize that stuff. You mentioned already some of the kid murders, even though they don't show them, you know, kids are getting killed, which is always a plus in a horror movie. Right. I know that sounds weird, but it's always a plus. Well, it shows that there's stakes and they actually want to do something horrific and killing kids is horrific. I mean, imagine any, anytime you hear about a kid getting killed in, in real life, you kind of stop for a minute and think about that. And that's right. that's what that movie that's what that can do in horror movies. You're like, wow, there are some real fucking stakes to this movie that it, this is going somewhere. 
You know, I think the problem with setting up the arc like this, where it's going backwards, you know, we're going to end in 1666 when the whole thing started, I guess, the curse, but it's kind of going backwards. So I think the problem there on the director's side is that the characters in each movie are basically learning about it for the first time. So then you have to repeat a bunch of shit that the audience, us, already has a pretty good idea about. Like, we already know about Seraphir and, like, the whole curse and shit. And, like, we kind of have a pretty good grasp on it. And then in 78, you know, it opens with, um, forgive me, I think it's Jillian, uh, shit, what was her uh, name? from? Jillian Anderson. Uh, Jillian Anderson. It opens with her, obviously a character from the 78 movie that we're going to see, which I hated that whole, the way they did that too. Um, just drop us into 78. Like, you don't have to fucking do the whole thing with her sure. alarm clocks and shit. Like, I don't know. It just all seemed unnecessary to me. So, do you, but do you see what I'm saying? So now when we go back to 66, maybe they're not going to give us that exposition with like characters talking about what's happening to shit, but we're going to actually see it happening. So now we're going to have to go through it a third time. Right. But that's my hope is that, like, we're we're getting a bit of in- misinformation from everything. Like, we don't know everything. Mm. So, like, we're actually going to learn stuff about what's going on and how to actually defeat the evil. Uh, like it got passed down and got inaccuracies along the way or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, there's, there's fucking inaccuracies, inaccuracies throughout, like, verbal history constantly. So, sure. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm interested in that kind of part. But, like... I didn't mind this as much, like the whole Cindy Alice thing in the caves, them figuring out the secret of the witch, basically. And like, hey, this is how she ticks. This is, this is you know, the general, ge- like, this is the lore. This is how everything works. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. l- let's try to use that to defeat the evil. And they, they just miss. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as, as a second movie. And, and I, I appreciate finding out more knowledge because like the first movie, like, it was setting up shit, but it wasn't setting up anything. Like, this is much better set up, done much better and much more interestingly to me. And yeah. it's, I don't know, man. Like, it just it just works better. I'm not going to disagree with you. I just wish it had happened quicker. Sure. That's my, my thing. I felt like it was paced, like, super slowly for the type of movie that they were pushing. Because they were pushing a camp slasher. And we get about maybe twenty to twenty five minutes of a camp slasher, right? And like, uh, like you have you and I have the difference where I reset my brain as soon as nineteen seventy eight hit, and it was like, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you as much time as it needs to get to the first kill. Thirty five minutes in, and when that happens, like that's about right for a camp slasher. There's about thirty minutes of development, and then a kill happens, and then more kill, and then like it takes a little bit for like a new, the new paradigm to reset. And then more kills happen, and then everything just goes off from there. Like that is pretty much sleepaway camp, and, mm-hmm. and it's 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 entire structure. So I was fine with 1978 structure. It's just like you said, there's that eight minutes in the beginning that kind of fucks everything up. Yeah, I felt like that whole part could be taken out. You could have that either in narration or in flashbacks or like whatever, but. I mean, even in the first one, it was phone calls with her, you know, like weird phone calls where she would just like give these quick little lines or whatever that would lead you to believe something. So, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just, it's hard when I'm watching it with my expectations, like, not that they're not being met, but they're like not even fucking like close. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I had seen the trailer and I had seen the promotional stuff and, and I knew, I knew the first movie in a trilogy is generally, 
going to be the one that's the bulk of like setting up the story. You know, most of the time, that's where you get like, okay, this is what's happening, guys. And then when you get into some of the sequels, it's like more action. You know, it's just kind of building off of that. So I was expecting that, and that's why I was most excited for 78. And aside from that, also, the time the time frame really speaks to me, too, because of the camp slasher kind of like, you know, Renaissance was in the late 70s, early 80s. Right. So I just wanted a lot more than what I got. And, you know, I'm not even really saying it's like a horrible movie. I'm just saying it was a disappointment to me, like on an enjoyment level. Yeah, and I, and I pretty much agree with that. Like, it... It really could have been much more. This this whole franchise could be so much more, but it's just it's just not happening, man. Yep. So, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here and uh, drop some ratings on it? No, I I wanted to ask your opinion as a Netflix guy. I mean, they're obviously kind of like I don't know, capitalizing is the right word, but using Stranger Things a little bit too in both movies because you had Maya Hawk in the first one. Now you got Sadie Sink here. Yep. So, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like that was intentional, or do you think Netflix like bought this and they're like, "Oh, there's two of our peeps in this"? No, I don't feel like it's intentional because, like I said, this was originally a 20th Century Fox production. Like, production right. was done in 2019, and then the 20th Century Fox stuff happened, and then uh, Netflix bought the rights to this. So it wasn't intentional in that kind of respect from Netflix. Okay. It's just interesting coincidence, you know, yeah. because so far, so far, the quote unquote big names in these movies have been Stranger Things alum, you know, so. Yeah, I thought that I found that interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest name of them all was the Drew Barrymore. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's not Drew Barrymore, man. Drew Barrymore was like, oh, Drew Barrymore I get, is what, I get what you're saying, right. though. But yeah, she I get, is I get what you're comparative saying, to everybody else in the movie. She is the biggest name, maybe except for sure. Jillian. Is it? It's. Is Jillian Anderson or Jillian Bell? It's Jillian Anderson. Let's look. Let's look. I want to say it's Jillian Anderson too, though. But um, Jillian Jacobs. We were both wrong. Jillian Jacobs. Oh, Jillian Anderson's the yeah. fucking uh, X Files. X Files. Yeah. We're, we're dumb. Too many Jillians. Jillian Jacobs. One of you has to change your name. Yeah. It's too much. Help us out, ladies. Yeah. So Gerald. Okay. Uh, what would you give uh, Fear Street, nineteen seventy eight? You just want me to get, slap my rating on it? Yeah. I'm going to do... I'll, I'll go two. I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, that's, that's about it's, what uh, you put on, uh, on Letterboxd. Yeah, I know. I was just sitting here after the conversation with you considering changing it, but I'm going to give it a two. I mean, I feel like it was well-made. You know, I think, you know, we already mentioned the production design and the 78 aesthetic. I feel like they nailed that. The pacing was my biggest issue with it, and then the kind of stupid cheesiness at the end of it with those plot developments that didn't make any sense. You know, the camp slasher stuff, I really, really liked. And, you know, I thought the lead performance was great. I think I thought a lot of the sub-performances were good. So I think it's a good movie. It's just I wish I had enjoyed it more. And if I'm ranking it just purely on how much I liked it or if I would revisit it, which I don't plan to, then I'll give it two stars. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I'm going a, a flat three. Like I said, it's fine. I, I, I like the, the 78 stuff uh, up until the last five minutes of that. Uh, and then the bookends are fucking terrible because the 1994 stuff is not interesting in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't care. I don't think the girl who plays Dina is a very good actress. We will find out in part three. Part three is where I really feel like we're going to understand what kind of an actress this girl is because uh, as of now, it doesn't look to see to be anything special. 
Uh, and with that, uh, we will cut into another quick break. And when we come back, Joe, we will talk about a patron requested review from you for strangers <clears throat> pray at night. What's up, guys? Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast here. Are you just sitting there thinking to yourself, man, I really love some dude in his garage sitting around talking about arbitrary countdowns and his favorite things in the world of movies, music, and TV. Well, guess what? That's me. Please look me up. My name is Gerald, and I am from Two Peas on a Podcast. If you want to subscribe to my countdown show, I have a different co-host every week. It's often someone from the world of podcasting or entertainment. And we go through our top five favorite things in whatever that week's category is. You can find links to all of our content, subscribe via your favorite podcast app, and follow us on social media. The easiest thing to do is just head to our website, which is www.2peasonapod.com. I hope you look me up and join the party. It's a lot of fun. See you soon. Welcome back, everybody. Gerald, it's time to get into a patron requested review for The Strangers. Pray at night. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watched terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Uh, so this comes from you, because you're you. Uh... A family of four staying at a secluded mobile home park for the night are stalked and then hunted by three masked psychopaths. This is a 5.2 mm-hmm. out of 10 on IMDb, directed by Johannes Roberts, written by Brian Bertino and Ben Katai. Uh, stars Christina Hendricks, Martin Henderson, Bailey Madison, and I will pull up one more name, uh, Lewis Pullman. Yes, that's right, Lewis Pullman, uh, whose father is Bill Pullman, uh, greatest president of the United States. There you go. Patriotic movie, too. Yeah, big true. Uh, Gerald, you are the one who gave us this movie. I want to know what you thought. Well, you know, I thought you were going to be doing this with Caleb, so now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you how much I love it. I'm going to tell you why I love it, and then you're going to shit all over it. So let's just get this over with. So, uh, I, Well, the first one is Superior, The Strangers. However, I don't think that one's on Netflix. But it is. what? It actually just yeah, hit what is it? yeah. Uh, I was like, that's why oh. I asked. Should I watch The Strangers first and then watch this? Uh, I wonder if said, that wasn't on there when I gave you this then, because I didn't see it on there. I would have given you that one first, but I do love them both. So, well, what I was going to say is, you know, I, I actually don't know if you remember this, but two live stream for the Cures ago, I did my top five horror sequels, and this was in my top five. So, what Pray at Night did that was really cool. So, the first Strangers. We were just talking about Fear Street 78, but that first movie really captured the like 1970s, like Last House on the Left, like Home Invasion, like gritty kind of picture where it was really creepy and ominous and real life, you know, real gritty filmmaking. What Pray at Night does is it's a completely different type of movie. It was written by Bertino, but it was directed by someone completely different. And you can see the different ways that the film was shot and it was much more of an 80s influence so the first one is more of a 70s influence this one is more of an 80s influence which you know i'm an 80s junkie so i love that but there's a lot of there's a lot more colors in this movie uh the neon the swimming pool was to this day one of my favorite horror scenes of the last like 20 years and i'm sure we'll touch on that specifically here shortly but it just takes these three masked characters that we know so well from the first one and it's the same. It's the same shtick, 
But instead of being secluded to one house as it is in the first movie, you know, it's in this kind of like mobile home park and it's kind of scattered across this neighborhood. So I I love a good home invasion film and I feel like the strangers have inserted themselves into the conversation as one of the more prominent home invasion films in the genre. And I think this is a very, very good follow-up and one of my favorite sequels in the horror genre. So I love Pray at Night, man. I just wanted to, I wasn't doing it. You know, I know some people throw you guys' movies to like fuck you over, like make you watch, you know, trash or whatever. That's definitely not my intention. I absolutely love this movie and I'm I was interested to hear what you and you and Caleb thought of it. Well, Gerald, it's almost it has, like you and it, uh, ha- and it and it has Christina Hendricks in it. So that's think true. about that before you get to uh go ahead. Well Gerald you read me like a book because I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. It's so All bad. Right. I, I will pro- I, I will give props to one thing and it's the cinematography. I think the cinematography is it legitimately is good, yeah. excellent for this movie. Uh, what isn't legitimately excellent, though, is all the stupid shit that the, the characters have to do in order for them to be put into danger. I can normally suspend my disbelief for that kind of stuff, but when you have to do stupid shit in order to make the characters seem incapable, uh, so that way the killers seem threatening, uh, dumb. When Christina Hendricks and her daughter are in the bathroom, and she's pushing up her daughter, uh, and Christina Hendricks is like, well, I'm not even going to make a real attempt to get out of the house because that would be dumb, because then the killer couldn't kill me for the movie. That stuck out to me like a sore fucking thumb. Like, she's just sitting there on the ground. She doesn't try to get up on the sink. Like, there's an effective way of, like, her struggling to get up on the sink uh, and climbing out of the the mobile home and, like, her getting fucking hacked to pieces by the the killer. That's much more interesting. Uh, And maybe it doesn't give you the tender moment it does, like, it should have with the daughter. But, I mean... Mm -hmm. The, uh, when when the dad's driving the fucking car away and all that happens to make him spin out of control is uh, some guy throws a fucking air conditioning unit at his car and he's like, well, shit! And then he fucking swerves out of the way and crashes into a mobile home and gets fucking skewered by uh, one of the, ra- like, the, a 4 by 4 Like, that's awesome. And that, that, where he gets killed, that seems actually probably the best in the movie. But, like, man, these fucking characters do some dumb, dumb shit in order for there to be any kind of threat whatsoever. When it comes to, you know, this is much more of a slasher film than the first one. The first one was very minimalistic and it was just like creepy, you know? I know you haven't seen it, but this one is much more of a slasher film and a lot of slashers do fall prey. (laughs) See what I did there? Uh, They fall victim to kind of the unbelievable storytelling, which is kind of what you're talking about. So that's why I'm okay with it. Like I'm kind of used to it in this type of genre film you know the things that make it so enjoyable for me and are why i love it so much are some of the callbacks to some of those movies sure. that we see in this that we see in this film and i think they're subtle enough to where they're not straight up ripoffs like your you know 1994 movie that you reviewed last week but you know um dollface has the keys in the car which is a callback to scream when she's kind of jiggling uh, jingling the keys there we have the girl in the truck at the end, which is basically a shot-by-shot remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre when she's driving away. Uh, the car or the truck on fire that's slowly gliding towards her is from Christine, which is a Stephen King classic that John Carpenter did in the 80s. There's a lot of those are just off the top of my head. There's a lot of nods like that throughout this movie. And you already mentioned the cinematography. I mean, the scene where, where the uh, man with the sack mask gets in the, in the truck with him 
and plays the 80s pop tune and just like sits there with him before. Yep. I mean, the, the guy knows he's going to die and he just like listens to the song with him and then kills him. And then the swimming pool scene um, is just, I mean, it gives oh, me chills awesome. every time. That, it's just that shot so well. That, that scene is also awesome. Yeah, total clips of the hearts playing and like the, the music's going off when they go underwater and they do they're doing that great like sound mixing in that scene. Um, you know, I think the the caliber of filmmaking in this is what really carries it to such a high enjoyment level for me. And I do love how and I know you haven't seen the first one, so I apologize, but I do love how it's the same like central characters that were the villains in the first one. And it, but it's such a different environment that they're in. Like, it's almost like it was filmed in, like, two completely different, like, eras, you know? But it wasn't. I mean, they're, they were, I want to say, 10 years apart initially. So, I love this movie. I'm sorry to hear you didn't. Did you know if Caleb watched it or no? You said he's no, moving. Probably he, not, he, right? He's he's been moving all weekend, so I don't think he's had a chance. Yeah. But, All like, right, well, I tried. Yeah, it, it's it's the story. It's like the 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 story and the characters' actions in order to make the story go. Uh, like, yeah, there are some things in horror I can suspend my disbelief for. Like, like I, I mentioned the Michael Myers thing, you know, it, it before. But like, characters doing dumb shit in order to get killed because the movie needs people to die, to have a body count. Uh, I think that's fucking dumb. Like, mm -hmm. there's no reason that kid should have ever fought the guy in the pool. There's no reason. There's just no reason for it. Like, it's a cool scene, but, like, <laughs> right. you you go to the middle of the pool, and you force him to come to you. You just you just wait him out. That's like, and you hope to God your sister makes it. Like, you, you can wait him out more before he, like, can do anything about it. Well, I will tell you, you're in the majority. I mean, a lot of people were really down on the sequel when it came out, critically. I mean, even my daughter hates it, you know, and she's a film buff. She well, does your daughter like seems movie. like a smart person. We should talk more. Um... You know, I mean, uh, most people, especially fans of the original, aren't high on this movie. Um, so I'm in the minority. I get it. But I honestly, genuinely thought you and especially Caleb would like it. So that's why I threw it at you. But I'm sorry to say you didn't. Like I said, uh, the cinematography, legitimately excellent. I don't know who, like, I, uh, I have to look it up here really quickly, uh, who the cinematographer is. Because, like, I looked at him. In terms of like other stuff he's done, and it's mm -hmm. like nothing, man. And I, I he don't. Worked, he worked. He worked on this movie called Haunt that came out last year too. That was really beautifully done too. Um, I didn't like that movie like a ton. I enjoyed it, but it was like this funhouse mirrors kind of vibe that he was. He did really. I can't remember his name either, but I know he did Haunt. It's a uh, Ryan um, Samuel. Uh, he okay. Yeah. He, he did Haunt. He's done this. Uh, he did. Uh, something called Hide and Seek, which uh, okay. I, I guess is we're, we're continuing the game genre of horror movies. Uh, like, I, I just don't I watch this and I go, it's a very stylish movie, it, like in the mm -hmm. way it's shot. I don't understand how this guy hasn't gotten more work with somebody who probably can direct a bit better than uh, Johannes Roberts. or I think that's what his name was. Uh, yeah, Johannes Roberts. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. You think you'll ever go back and watch the original? Maybe. It's it's uh, much better, just uh, so you know. I, I mean, we'll see if it's still on Netflix uh, as of the fourth quarter of 2021. Uh, and if so, uh, I'm sure you'll shove it on us anyway. Yeah, I might have to now, since I didn't know it was on there. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, All right, well. So, there you go. Yeah, uh, what would you rate this? 
Do you want me to tell you? <laughs> yeah, I want you to tell me. <laughs> Actually, I pulled up my letterbox review because I was going to throw uh, I was going to throw a four on it, which is what I gave it when I rewatched it last year. So four out of five, love it. I mean, the first one's a five out of five movie for me, if that tells you anything. So uh, probably my favorite home invasion movie ever is the first one, which is saying a lot because I'm a super fan of that genre. And this one is an inferior sequel, but it, you know some of the stylistic things that I mentioned and the callbacks to other, uh, you know, great horror classics that's kind of borrowing from. I really appreciated and it, you know tickled me when I saw it. And I love these characters. You know, these three characters are just like regular people in these masks that are just like horrifying, uh, and you do not want to see them asking if Tamara's home and knocking on your door in the middle of the night. So I'll tell you that much. Right. But yeah, I gave it a four. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Uh... I'm going half that. This is a two out of five. Yeah. All right. Well, what would the world be if me and you agreed, Dan? So I'm okay with that, I guess. Very bad. Uh, I mean, it's funny. We we are on opposite ends of the spectrum on both movies this week. It's uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. But it was cordial, I feel like. I mean, you know, you didn't insult me too much. I don't no, think. not too much. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, your listeners are upset about that, uh, to which I say, uh, I'm sorry. It's late at night, and I'm not feeling up to sparring with Gerald right now. Yeah, well, that's fine. I appreciate it. I got to be up early too, so that'll be easier on me. Yeah. So, uh, Gerald, thank you for coming on uh, and and yeah, filling man. in some shoes this week. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, dude. I love Caleb, and I hope uh, I don't know if he'll listen to this back, but I hope the move is going well. And I wish I could have gotten a chat with him too, but he knows I'm a big fan of his as well. And. Yeah. Anytime I can help, man, just let me know. Of course. Uh, next week on the show, we'll be finishing up the Fear Street trilogy, as we've alluded to many, 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 many times, uh, with Fear Street 1666. Uh, and in the back half of that, we'll be watching Gunpowder Milkshake, uh, the all-female action movie uh, starring Lena Headey, uh, Karen Gillan, Angela Bassett, and Carly Cugino, and Michelle Yeoh, I believe is the, the fifth one. Sounds right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, be on the lookout for that. As for where you can find us at netflixandswill.com is your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, including links to our social media, our Patreon page, our merch page, which is blowing up. We keep getting people buying shit on our merch page. So if you're somebody nice. who is uh, a fan of merch, uh, the most recent thing that was bought was our our, our uh, one shirt, which is uh, our funniest shirt. It's the, it's the one where uh, we copy and pasted like i took a screen print of somebody's review of our show put netflix and swill uh the review was meh two stars and then uh literally the body of text is a two-star podcast uh we eventually bullied that man <laughs> into changing it to a four-star review so yay oh man nice put uh, it on a shirt yeah but uh yeah the all that stuff netflix and like i said one-stop shop uh and until next week, Gerald, this is me saying we'll, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. 
If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.